Hi, it's Misha Youssef. You may know me from the first season of Tell Them I Am or the first episode of season two that you just listened to. So you know how last season I kept saying I'm culturally Muslim? Well, that wasn't the whole story. I said that because it's easier for me to say I'm not Muslim or culturally Muslim than to defend the way in which I am Muslim. When I was 16, I picked up the Quran and I couldn't put it down. What I loved about it is that it isn't just a book of rules. It's a book of stories, beautiful, messy stories about complicated characters who engage with the rules, examine them, even push back against them. I felt so connected to those characters and their struggles. I felt connected to the Quran. I felt Muslim. But I also felt like I was doing it all wrong. Because in my 16-year-old mind, there were only two versions of Islam. The white people version, where Islam is the stringent fucking desert religion that contributes to terrorism, and the brown people version, a competition of who can best follow this set of rules. And for me, it wasn't either of those things. It was like a treasure map to the divine order of the universe. But is that the right kind of Muslim? Am I religious? If you asked me last year, I would have said I'm spiritual, but not religious. But like, what does that mean? Where's my spirituality coming from, Coachella? A bunch of astrology memes? I mean, I do love that stuff. But that's not a spiritual experience for me. For me, the spiritual experience is in the stories, the push and pull in the Quran, the nuance. And that guidance doesn't just stop with the stories inside the Quran. My relationship with Islam helps me learn from everything and the stories of everyone I meet. So all this to say, I'm not just culturally Muslim. I am Muslim. And I hope that me saying it makes room for other people to say it too. My name is Nadia Hussein, and I'm best known for cooking and baking. One of the running kind of a sentence that kind of sticks with me as a kid is that my dad would say, no questions today. He would start his day with me and he'd say, no questions today. Okay, no questions. So not only was I inquisitive, I was also really kind of like mouthy. And not much has changed. Men had the final say. That's how I kind of grew up. And I would always kind of see the women folk just in the kitchen or just kind of doing their own thing. They never really got involved in those big conversations. But I would get involved. And growing up, there was some swearing involved, I remember. My mum swears loads in Bengali. And then dad would drop the F-bomb. So we grew up in quite a sweary house. Very, very sweary. If we had a swear jar, we would be rich, which we didn't, which we should have had. 
our house was backed off onto a railway track. People would come to our house and say, how can you live like this? There's a train that goes by every 20 minutes. The way the house rumbles is unlike anything you've ever felt. It's a really weird feeling. And whenever I needed to go to the loo, I would wait for the train. And then I knew I had a 20 minute gap in which to get to the toilet, do what I need to and get back out because it just rumbles your soul. Like just being frightened, the whole roof's gonna fall in on you. Against the backdrop of this super sweary house, Nadia is learning what it takes to be heard. It doesn't help that she's got five siblings to contend with. I'm one of six and it could get really rowdy with jumping off the couch and, and fighting and shouting. So there was my big sister who's two years older than me. Also, we must note, Nadia is a middle child. She's got two older sisters, a younger brother and sister, and a baby brother, whom she adores. So cute, like the biggest ears. In fact, I think his head grew out of his ears. I'm not sure which way around, but just the cutest little human. So like we span quite an age range. And together they would play this game they invented. I can see why my mom's sweary now, because we would take all the clothes out of the cupboards, every item of clothing out, and put it in two big piles. They divvy up into teams of three for like a costume relay race. We were very tactical about this game. So you couldn't just put all of like mum's clothes because mum wore sarees. So they take longer to wrap and tie, right? So we were like, well, if this pile is gonna get a saree, then that pile is gonna get a saree. So we would equal the pile out. And then you would start off at the other end of the room. And the rule was you put a timer on for one minute. And so we'd put the timer on our television. And then one person had to run to the other end of the room, put on an item of clothing, and you had to wear it properly, belts, buckles, zips, all of it had to be done. And then you had to run, go to the back of the queue, tag the next person, and you would keep doing that till the minute is over or till all the clothes are finished. One day, they're playing this game and Nadia well, I'll let her say what happened. And I'd knocked my sister, but she was shouting at me because I hadn't fastened every button. And then we kind of crossed paths and knocked each other. And she was like, go back. Go back. So I went back, but whilst going back, I then obviously let out some profanity. I dropped the F-bomb. So the exact time my dad walks in. Obviously fuming, because we've just woken him up from our rallying back and forth in the living room. And my dad walked in and he said, don't you effing swear ever again. And then I just looked at him and I said, uh, you can't tell me not to swear and use a swear word in your instruction. 
And he just looked at me and he was like, oh, I'm going to get her. And I just, the look on his face was like, oh, I'm going to get one. I'm, I'm off. And I ran so fast. I was like, oh, he's going to get me. I ran, ran, ran. Back in the days where you get a wallop on your bum. I then bolted, ran upstairs and I was like, I waited. I remember waiting at the top of the stairs and he just walked up the stairs and passed me. I thought, oh, he's going to slap me. He's going to hit me on the back of the head. Walked up the stairs and he just said, you're really cheeky. And then he went to bed. (laughs) And that was the first time in my life that I corrected my dad. And that was a big, like that was a big deal for me at the time. I was like, So why he swears all the time, like what was different about this time? And the difference between this time and every other time was that I corrected him. That's when it dawned on me, like it's one thing when you ask questions, but it's a whole other thing when you talk back. I remember that moment thinking, I just mouthed off to dad and he didn't destroy me. Like, because I think, I remember thinking in that moment, there are loads of things that I think that I don't say. And... I think that's what's changed. Where I was the child that would, I would say, mouthing off. To me, that wasn't mouthing off. That was just growing. That was just learning. And that was just me finding my space in my world, in my family. As a parent now of three children, often I find myself saying, just let them win a few battles. If you try to win every battle, you will lose your children. That's just, you know, you will you will lose them emotionally because you have to allow them to believe that they can win some battles. And I think that's really important growing up. When they were really little, I used to say, come on, say it, I am strong, I am great. And we we used to kind of like say these things to each other because they need to believe it. They have to believe it. And if you don't say it, you never believe it. I've learned through lots of situations where I've walked in and I'm the only person like me and everyone turns around and you're like, oh gosh, I'm different. And you know, in those moments I've had to say to myself and and it's a mantra that I use with myself and the children and it's, I say, elbows out. There are many children out there, many people out there who will look and say, if I don't see myself, do I even exist? So we've got to start existing. So that's what I tell my kids, elbows out guys, create space for you, then you'll create space for others. Tell Them I Am is presented by Higher Ground Audio and Spotify and produced by Dustlight Productions. I'm your host and executive producer, Misha Youssef. The executive producers at Higher Ground Audio are Dan Fearman, Mukta Mohan, and Anna Holmes. Janae Maribel is editorial assistant. From Dustlight Productions, Mary Knopf is our executive producer. Ariana Gharib Lee and Jonathan Shiflett are our producers. Arwen Nix is our editor. Valeria Alarcone is our apprentice. This episode was written by me, Jonathan Shiflett, Mary Knopf, and Arwen Nix. It was sound designed by Jonathan Shiflett. Valentina Rivera is our engineer. David Leinert is our composer and made our gorgeous original music. Make sure to check it out on the Tell Them I Am soundtrack playlist on Spotify. Emin Ahmed is our illustrator and the creator of our episodic art. 
Elizabeth Goodspeed made our amazing series tile art. Special thanks to Anna Williams for additional production help, and Rachel Garcia, our development and operations coordinator. From Spotify, executive producers are Daniel Eck, Don Ostroff, and Courtney Holt. This podcast was originally a production of LAS Studios.